0: Well, I'm Brian, I'm one of the pastors here, and I, uh, we're in a cool series of weapons of self-destruction and things that cause us to destruct, and uh, Jack started us off last week, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, what he brought, and then we're going we're to talk a little bit about a subject tonight, but I, I want to I let you in on some uh, subject matter that I've been reading about in preparation uh, for today, and so this is exactly what I grew up you know, wanting to do is doing research on what babies fear, right? And and I was thinking to myself, I was reading this first article, and this is the first article that came up was, what do babies fear? And I was like, well, how do you test that? I mean, the two things that came up that that makes, or or they say that babies fear are falling, obviously, and loud noises. So I, I, I was just curious how how these researchers did this. Like, do you like sign up your baby for you know this you know ten dollars an hour thing and you, they throw them off ledges or throw them off tables and see see what happens or, or or what is that? But so that is that is the baseline. So they are saying that when we're born that we have two fears: fear of falling and fear of loud noises. And so anything after that gets added on we add on to our fears and so some some of you uh, are afraid of blank so I bet there's some people in the room that are afraid of spiders anybody Raise your hand spiders are the most weirdest things and when I get to heaven I'm gonna ask God why did you pray Um, some of you guys don't like to go up on ladders or or you're um, any kind of heights. Any who's the any afraid of heights? Don't like yeah, I use that one. And um, and there's many, many other ones. This one I don't understand, but there's probably someone in the room that is probably very afraid of this. Clowns. No? We got any clown clown dislikers? We got one down here. Okay, we'll talk later. Um, we have this very interesting one, my sister's here, and uh, my sister had one when she was growing up. I don't understand it. Um, she thought the, bo- she was afraid of the boogeyman. Whatever the boogeyman is, whatever you consider the boogeyman. And she thought he drove a Volkswagen Bug. And so at night, if he saw a Volkswagen Bug, she would freak out. And he'd say like, oh, that's the boogeyman. And then uh, who has the, who has, as a kid, that if the door was halfway open to your closet, it had to be shut before you you went to, went to bed. And then, who of you were, did this number? Your bed's out there, and then you had to literally jump and clear your bed because you thought somebody's going to grab you underneath. I knew there was going to be some in there. I tell you. And then you know you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And you're really debating: should I? Should I not? Should I? What do I do? Jump. Um, when I was first dating Kimberly, she uh, she called me one night. She was house sitting up in the, north, uh, in the northeast side, and I was I was working late at the health club, and, and uh, so she called. And she goes, "Honey, I just watched the screen movie, and that dude's in my closet." I'm like, "You're 23, 24, honey, like, How do you can do it, How do you can do it." So I had to talk to her until she fell asleep. So I think that mask guy, you know, Jason or whatever goes going. Um, this is the next this one in my own family, I'm going to dirty the the, the air with my family, is I am sick and tired of going into the bathroom and pulling the shower curtain closed because they're afraid that they're in the bathroom that someone's in the shower. Anybody has to check the shower curtain to make sure there's no one behind there when you're going to the bathroom? No one's going to get to that one. And so there's... Plenty of things that we're afraid of. Whether we have concocted in our mind or we have um, experienced something, uh, we experience fear. It's a, real, it's a real thing. And so Jack talked last, uh, last week about this self-destruction that we bring upon ourselves and about the comparison. And he put an X on the floor where I'm standing and said, where are you? Where, where do you need to be in that X? Because God asked you to be in that X. And I'm pretty sure that most of you had a reaction to that. I'm pretty sure that you reacted in that in multiple different ways. Whether you're like, yeah, I need to be there. But some of you probably reacted in fear. That you know that you're supposed to be where God has, happened, God has told you to be somewhere, and you haven't got there. Or you've been disobedient. Or you're just plain paralyzed with fear because you don't want to know what God has in store for you in that ex. There are four main things that contribute to fear. Um, there are four main areas that we're going to talk about tonight. And then after we go through those, I'm going to give you some antidotes or some things that can help you alleviate fear in your life. And you're, some of you could be sitting right now thinking, I'm not scared of anything. Fear manifests it's not just afraid of spiders or snakes or things. There's many things that we live with in fear. And don't know The first one that I'm talking about is the fear of loss. We fear loss. If we're married. Kimberly, when we first got married, um, it's unique, you know, now you get to sleep with someone, and and it's it's, it's unique, I didn't sleep very well, and uh, she was so excited that we were married, but also so terrified that something that she was going to lose me, even now that we were married. And so every night, I expected it, there would be a cold or warm hand going through my stomach to see if I was so I I, could, And if I, if I felt her move, move that way, and I could feel her hand come around my stomach, I'm like, okay, I'm alive, I'm alive. I'm alive. Because she just wanted to see. She didn't want to lose, and so she was just making sure. If we lose a child... Or if we lose financially, if we aren't making enough money, if our stocks aren't working well, or we haven't reached the, the, the area that we're holding it in, we're losing money, or we're just, we're just behind. The things of loss. Fear of loss. The second one is fear, actually, you know what, there's one more, I forgot. And this is the one that I've highlighted, because I think this goes under the radar a little bit. It's losing control. So if you have a fear of loss, part of that is you don't want to give up the control because you don't want to lose control. The second one is fear of failure. I bet there's some guys that you don't want to start anything new or people in here that you don't want to start anything new because you, you you don't know how it's going to end up. So you just don't want to try I bet some of you in the room, uh, maybe you have thought to yourself, Hey, you know what? I really like going to Elm City Church. I really, I really dig the service. Uh, the pastors are cool. That was just a free, free one. Um, <laughs> and I really want to engage in community, but maybe I, I'd like to start an e-group because you know, I really want to get to meet people and I want to connect with people, but I, I, I'm afraid no one will show up. That's the fear of failure. Some of you have the fear of failure so much in your life that you're paralyzed. That you won't even try something new. You're setting in a comfort, you're setting in a pattern because you don't even want to try something new because it is paralyzing you about failure. This is the one that can speak to us, us guys, is uh, the guys in the room, you see a pretty girl or we see something we want to do And it's the fear of rejection. I don't know about you ladies, if you uh, know anything about guys, this is probably one of our number one greatest fears, is to be rejected. And then you put us in a group of guys and we get rejected, a bunch of our friends, it's even worse. And so, guys, she might say no. And that is too much for us. And so we have a fear... rejection. Some of us are married, and uh, the spouse may end up leaving. The fear of leaving or of of rejection of that, that they chose someone else, or even in a relationship, that they, your partner, or that your girlfriend or boyfriend chose somebody different than you, feeds into the fear of rejection. Also, how many of you have a hard time saying no, and I need a hand? That's also a fear of rejection. People pleasing. We feel like we need to please everyone, say yes to everyone, and do everything for everyone. It's also a fear of rejection. And at the bottom of it, if you feel like you're feeling rejection, it's mostly probably because you're feeling not important enough for others. So you try to fill it with things and doing things for others. So we have fear of failure, we have fear of rejection, and then now we have the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown, I think, terrifies most of us, because we want to know the plan. We want to know, at least in some area, the direction in which we're going. We want to know, hey, that's the city I'm going to live in. That's the, the job I'm going to do. And when God sometimes calls us, or life sometimes puts upon us, hey, I lost my job. Or I have a new job. I don't know what my expectations are. Some people are in bad relationships and are in a bad spot in their life, and they stay in that bad spot because they don't want to step outside of that because the bad spot is what they know. And so they don't want to step out and change things because they just are so afraid of the unknown. And the other side of that is people don't act or move or feel freely or take risks because everything's going so well. But the other shoe's going to drop or something bad's going to happen. I've had three months of really good, good life and then I I think the fourth month is going to be bad. So we we live out of fear. We bow these fears as an undercurrent to our life. These things happen as the way we make decisions, the way we live, the way we interact with each other. And we live in fear, handcuffed by something we can't see. 2 Timothy seven says this, God does not, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Let me read that again. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So if we take God's word and we just take that verse and say, God has not given us a spirit of fear, that means he's not given us fear. That is something of this world, not of him. And fear is not from God. Let me hear that one more time, just for our slow listeners fear is not from God. Wow. People say that fear is the opposite of faith. Anybody hear that? Just not? Fear is the opposite of faith, people say. I'm saying fear is faith, just put in wrong things. Fear is faith, just faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing faith In the what-ifs. Placing fear in the what-ifs. Here's Moses. God wanted him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He does the coolest thing ever in one of my favorite Bible stories. God lights up a burning bush. He lights up a burning bush. It doesn't consume the tree, but it just burns and Moses walks by, and uh, Jesus taught, or God talks to him through the, through, the, through the bush. Is that not a cool thing? If you were walking out on a hike, maybe some of you hiked this morning, you'd be crazy if you did this morning because it's hot, but if you were out on a hike on a nice day, and a bush lit up on fire and it wasn't consuming, would that not be a cool thing? I'd be terrified, but it would be a very cool thing. And so, let's look in Exodus 4, and see what Moses' response to this amazing, amazing picture. I'll give you a second to get there. Exodus is the first part of the Bible, first couple books, we're going we do uh, Exodus 4, 1. So God talked him through the bush, and this is what Moses answered. It says, four, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Let read that again. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and what I say? The Lord did not appear to you. How many can relate to Moses? We live the game of what if. The economy drops. The stock market drops. Oh my gosh, the sky is falling. What if I can't get my money back out? What if my boss doesn't like me? What if the president is awful? What if I lose my job? What if I can't control my life? What if my health changes? What if I can't pay my bills? What if my spouse does blank? My kid's get in a car accident. What if I never get married? What if I marry a jerk? What if I cannot get pregnant or get pregnant again? Those are freaking me out. Just reading them. The what-if game is a bad game to play. Because fear is placing faith in the what-ifs of your life. Why do your what-ifs matter? Why do we we play that game in in our human nature? What if this happens? Or what if if that happens? Or what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? There's two things why the what-ifs matter. is what your fear reveals is what you value the most. What your fear reveals is what you value the most. So, let's walk that out. So, if you're fear of losing your marriage, or fear of injury, having your kids injured, or fear of losing your job, or losing financial freedom, those are all good things, right? Those are all good things to have happen. You don't want to lose your kids, you don't want to lose your marriage, or sell your to cut yourself, right? And so, those are all good things. But on the flip side of that, fear also reveals is where you trust God the least. So, sit in that for a second. Fear is what you value the most. But then it's also, fear also reveals where you trust God the least. That hit me. Because I thought the top one, yeah, those are, yeah, I fear that then, oh. Oh, no. So here's a question for you. Take your card out. Take your card out. It's on the, either a the line side, if you're a line person, or if you're this. Uh, I want you to put answer this question. I am not trusting God with, and then fill in the blank. I'll give you a couple seconds. I am not trusting God with, and fill in the blank. I am not trusting with God with if you think the person next to you is going to listen right small or look over a or something or copy everybody got one? you got it, put your put your card in the air I don't see everybody has a card in the air still writing? okay, cool we're gonna we're gonna do with something back in the towards the end of this of the talk. Excuse me. All right. So I'm gonna tell you a personal story because I wouldn't expect you to write something down. Um, and then if you wanted to come up in on these microphones and we'll just tell everybody. No. All right. Well, I'm going to. So um, one of my one of my biggest fears um, and that that I had to. <laughs> that I had to deal with for a long time, is I don't do school well. Um, I did enough school in high school to play sports, because I played basketball, football, basketball, and baseball, and that was enough incentive to me to, to play sports, was to get enough done. I was a student council guy, and I walked around all the time and tried to get out of classes and smooge my teachers, and it was just, it was probably not a good experience. So, as I went into college, into in in junior college, I got distracted. I got all kinds of... Um, things that were better to do than to go to class, and my parents probably paid out a lot of money that they, well, I wouldn't say wasted, because I got credits, just not very good ones. Um, And so um, I got into the professional world, and I still didn't have a degree. I had my associates, and uh, I had come, and I went to school for a little while, and then I'd stop, and I'd go, and I'd stop, and I'd go, and I'd work in... Doing stuff in Mexico, and then I would, you know, do ministry work, and then I'd stop. It goes a little while, and then I said, you know, it's time. Let's do it. And so I, I jump on board, and I would go. And then I got a job at a church, and uh, as working with youth. And inevitably, when you work in circles of pastors in church, three conversations usually come up. One is, how big is your group? or how successful you are. We were talking about, Jack talked about that last week about the comparison. The other one is, where did you go to seminary? Where did you go to Bible college? And the third one is, is how long you've been working and, and you know, how much you, how much you get paid. Those are smaller conversations. But, so, I feared the second question. I feared the second question. Because here I am, sitting with an associate's degree, working in a church, and I was working with guys that had college degrees, and and I, I freaked out when that conversation would come up. And I would literally try to avoid those conversations. When I heard the conversations going, I'd intentionally come a little bit late to uh, group meetings, because if, if someone was new there, and they would do that. And I, so I would avoid those conversations. So I began to fear... Talking about and being open with my colleagues because I felt they were going to judge me, and I didn't want to look insecure um, and know that I didn't have that degree, or I was putting a, a label on myself that that I that I wasn't um, who I thought I would be or should be. And so, started having kids. It was harder to go do school. Um, and I gonna let you know for anybody that is struggling in education. Um, it is, don't think like a five-year plan is bad or a six-year plan. I got an 18-year plan. All right? So, I got it done. But it was because I went to God. I went to God. And that's, that's one thing is that I have to acknowledge, I have to acknowledge. This is the one antidote that we have. Not antidote per se, but one thing that we can do to eliminate fear in our life. We can, we can we can acknowledge what that fear is or what causes that fear. I had, to, I had to admit that I was fearful of people judging or looking down on me because I didn't have um, what they had. Which was also the comparison, right? But I also lived in fear because I would avoid the conversation. So, acknowledge the fear and choose to trust in God. I did that. Did it come the first time I had that conversation? No. Did it come the second time? No. For you math majors, there's probably several numbers there. Until I felt comfortable knowing that, you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God's got me here doing what I need to do at this time. But it didn't didn't go away. But when I started to acknowledge it, when I acknowledged that, that fear was there... I begin to get the trust back with God. And you you probably say, Brian, but I've had really untrustworthy people in my life. I I, I'm not trusting. I don't I don't want to trust anybody. I'm going to rely on myself and me only, and I'm going to get through this life that way. Some of you have been wrecked by relationships, by people that have abused you, have treated you poorly that have kind of diluted and kind of squelched your desire or your willingness to trust God. I'm letting you know God is bigger than that. This is about trusting the God who created you the same God who created the heavens and you, the God who put His Son on the cross to die for you. He is proven trustworthy. One of my favorite Bible characters is David. David, before he became king, there was a king in charge named Solomon. And Solomon was an insecure guy that didn't want David to be king, and so he literally sent every every. Person of power after David to to basically get rid of David. Let's read in Psalms fifty-six. Achieved mark. So this would be like this would be like the president saying your name and saying. Putting it on posters and saying this guy or this gal needs to be done. They're out. We're done. We're of, we want to. We just want to get rid of them. We just want, don't want them to exist anymore. It'd be like a king, this king at this time, or a president in our time, or in any other country, basically trying to eliminate another person. And so he was being bombarded and had to watch every where, every step that he took and everywhere he went because people were after him. And so in, in 56. In 56, 2, it says, My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. So these guys are just going after it. And I love it how it says, In their pride, they're attacking me. And then in verse 3 it says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose words I praise, in God I trust. And I am not afraid. What can your mortals do to me? I love that. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust. And I am not afraid. Do you think Jesus was freaked out? In the Garden of Gethsemane? And knowing that he was going to die? Absolutely. Do you think other Bible characters that, that she, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were about to be thrown in the furnace, do you think they had fear? I wouldn't be freaking out if someone tried to throw me in a burning f- f- furnace. There's so many Bible characters that, that have fear, but they trusted in God. So David asks, what would mortal men do to me? We could kill him, right? But I think this is what David in the rest of his psalms shifts from the physical problem of having fear to an eternal problem. Or taking that problem internally. He took his mind off the physical and shifted to the eternal. When we focus on the eternal things of who God is and who Jesus is in our life... We don't focus on the fear that's right in front of us. And when we focus on him, he becomes the middle. See, I am I'm the problem right here. So if I turn this way and my problem is there and I'm fearing that and I it's controlling me, when I seek not the physical and I go eternal, I step back. Jesus and God is in the middle on the other side of my fear. So when I look to the eternal, I'm looking through God to the fear, not taking out and looking at the fear straight on. Does that make sense? So the second thing that we can do, one, is acknowledge where our fear comes from. Acknowledge where our control is, acknowledge what, what our, in our brokenness, in our, in our life and expectations, what is causing us to fear. The second one is seek seek, seek God until he takes over the fears or lessens the fears. Is that easy? Because we're we're a microwave kind of people, aren't we? We have more fast food restaurants in Tucson than anything else. We want our food fast, we want everything fast. And so... We say, hey, we're going to seek God. We do it once. Oh, He didn't answer. Seek God again. Didn't, didn't answer. Well, I'm going to read my, I'm read the whole Bible. So you read the whole Bible. He doesn't answer. We need to seek Him until He lessens it or removes it from us. Let's see what Psalms 34 says. Psalm 344 says, this is stated again. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. One we just acknowledge where our fear is. Two, we need to seek God. Now you can do that many different ways. You can you can read God's word. I I highly recommend that. And see how David and how the characters that God has put in this Bible, how they dealt with fear. Psalms have been huge in my life. Psalms 31, Psalms 131, Psalms 23 have all been books that I have poured into, that I have read, that I've marked in my Bible. To find hope. To find that space so I can look through my fear over there. So back to my story about my education. I uh, married Kimberly, and it just so happens that she is a teacher and does school, like, bats her eyes, and she's already done with her master's degree. And so... um, I don't know if you have people in your life like that it really, It's really, to play the comparison game, I was like, ugh, this is awful. But her consistent encouragement and love with me and helping me get through that, I gained the confidence and I didn't fear those conversations anymore. Because I was actively pursuing um, because of God. I mean, he literally said, Brian, I have you. word. You're learning. You're doing it. And so I, I sought him and his word, um, but there's many other times in my life that reading the Word and praying kind of came up empty. I don't know if you've ever been there where you, there's something in your life where it's gripped you, it's paralyzed you, and you're going to Scripture, and it seems like just a bunch of words on a page that don't make a lot of sense, but you're feeling guilty because you're, we're supposed to be seeking after God. And you're coming up with no answers and no no solutions, and and it's, you feel distance from God. And then we we shift back, not trusting and seeking in God, and say, you know what, I, I really don't want to seek Him anymore. Get out of here, and then I want to face this myself. And then we get back into the old default of trying to face the fear ourselves. And then I realized something. I was. Uh, I was cruising down the road one day, and I love I love music. I love sound systems, and um, so this was five or six years. well wow, this is about eight years ago. I had a well, I had a very very nice sound system in my car, and uh, had woofers, and it had like six speakers and CD changer. You don't use CD changers anymore, but it was really really nice. And so I really enjoyed listening to music in my car, roll down the windows, and you know waves and people are you know really annoyed when they roll your windows up when you're next to them at the stoplight. Um, and I realized I was listening to this music and I I just captivated by this one song, over it was a David Crowder song. And it was through that song that God created in me and He communicated me because in that time frame I was reading my word, it didn't make sense. It was it was just feeling like a blank blank page. And I was praying, but I felt like my prayers literally would go right above my head and then hit me back in the face. And so God used that song. And throughout time, God has used that song to really speak to me in other songs like that. So, first of all, acknowledge what our fears are. Second of all, seek God until He lessens it or takes it away. If those don't work why don't you try and listen to some music that is praising God? I'm asking the guys to come up and uh, um, we're going to do a little exercise. I was sitting um, at a leadership summit. It's uh, Bill Hybels. He's a pastor in Chicago. Um, Antenna Christian does this um, uh, summit each year. It's a simulcast from Chicago. And I was just sitting there um, taking notes and just being, you know, I'm going to learn. You know, trying to be astute and uh, they did this one section on um, how music can help you through the dry spots and they played this song that we're about to that you're going to be a part of and it said, Brian I actually just wrote it down with what the conversation in my head was it said "The, the spirit impressed on me why are you worrying why are you stressing? You no longer need to be a slave to those things that you worry and fear about. You are a child of God. And so I sat there in that moment as this song played over us in this room at the summit. And I was like, wow! Thank you for this song. Thank you for this these words that connected to me in a deeper level than, than Scripture at the time. And since I've listened to that song, I listen, I listen to it maybe three or four times, five times a day sometimes now. Because I think God gave me that song to help me in my dry spot. Or in my fear. And so, what I want you to do, I want you to just open your heart and your mind No matter if you are on top of your relationship with Jesus and you feel ultra-connected, or if you come here for the first time and you're like, who is this Jesus? I just heard there was cute girls and music. I just want you to sit and this is the truth of God's love for us. Because He did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So I just want you to I want you to respond to this song. As they sing, I just want to let it open. You guys, if you feel like you need, if you're like willing reserved, and you feel like here, I ain't raising my hands. I want you to step outside that comfort. If you do something different, listen to your spirit. Listen to something through this song because this song has impacted me and has impacted many, many others. So we're going to play that song, while on, you're going to sing it. And then I'm going to come back out let's just listen to the truth as, this, as the truth comes out of these speakers and over into our ears let's just live this out in this moment